If you could peek into the future, would you? If there was someone who come to, came to you and said, I can give you a glimpse into the future, would you want to see it? Now I think many of us in this room would probably say, yes, I'd want to see it. But maybe a more important question for us is, would it be exciting to you or would it terrify you? And would you want to see just the next few weeks or the next month or would you want to see years in the future? If you were able to get a glimpse of the future, would you want to see it? Well, Ebenezer Scrooge today doesn't have much of a choice. We're in our final week of our Advent series. Next week, we are doing lessons and carols. And today, we meet up with the ghosts of Christmas yet to come. And Scrooge leans more on the side of terrified by this ghost. And rightfully so, this ghost looks pretty terrifying. This ghost then gives Ebenezer Scrooge some images of the future that are heartbreaking and terrifying. And maybe the most creepy part about this particular ghost is that this ghost doesn't say anything. He just points. He points to images of the future that Ebenezer Scrooge sees that break his heart. But that also maybe give him some redemption. The story of a Christmas carol, of we've, as we have been talking about the last couple of weeks, is a story of remorse. We see Ebenezer Scrooge with the ghost of Christmas past, and as he sees his past flaws and his past uh, moments of grace with people in his life, he recognizes there are things that he should maybe be thinking about differently. He has those moments of remorse. And then with the ghost of Christmas present that we talked about last week, we see that Ebenezer Scrooge begins this journey of repentance. It's in the present moments that he wasn't seeing that were right before him that actually begin to spark in him this idea that maybe things could be different and maybe even that things should be different. And finally today we meet up with the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And we see that the story does not stop just with these images of the future or what might happen as the ghost of Christmas yet to come shows him these images. But what we see instead is a man who becomes redeemed. He finds a story of redemption. Today in our scripture, we meet up with a young woman who has an encounter where she gets a glimpse into the future. And let's just say it not only surprises her, but it terrifies her as well. We're reading today from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him 
Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Do you see the image in your head? Do you see this scene playing out of this very young woman? A woman who we don't know very much about at all in our scripture, other than that she is betrothed to Joseph, who is descendant from the line of David. He has this kingdom descendants um, And then yet we hear the angel comes to her. Of all of the people that the angel could come to, the angel comes to her. In her ordinary life, caught up in her present day moment, the angel comes and encounters her. And not only says greetings to her, but says what? Greetings favored one. Now, I doubt when Scrooge was encountering these different ghosts that he felt like he was a favored one. But I often do wonder in the story, why Scrooge? Why Scrooge? There are many Scrooges among us. Why this man? Why is he chosen to maybe get a chance at redemption? We aren't really given an answer to that. We're also not told in Mary's story why she is chosen, why she is called the favored one. Now, for those of us who know the story of Mary or the sainthood of Mary that follows, we can imagine what might, why she might have been called the favored one because we know the rest of the story. But I wonder today about meeting with her as a teenager and seeing her right where she is in this encounter with Gabriel. God seems to do this over and over again in our scripture. We see this God who uses people before they are ready, a God who has purpose for people before they are qualified. Calling a man to public speaking or a leader who has a stammer and a stutter, bringing up a young woman to be a queen whose people are currently enslaved, taking a boy who is the youngest of his family, David, a shepherd boy in a field, and asking him to go slay a giant. This is simply the reputation that God has. This is who God is. A God who uses people before they are ready. A God who does not look for qualifiers or the redemption story to already be told or a resume that is complete with all of the successes that you might need to fulfill the mission. But instead, he looks on the heart. God looks on the heart of someone and sees something that maybe others cannot see. 
God looks on the heart of Mary and says, greetings, favored one. Now, as someone who is rather competitive in my own life, I will admit to sometimes maybe wanting to be the favorite or the star, um, the one who is winning, the one who would maybe be called favored one. In my own family, I'm not the one called favorite, but I am the only uh, girl. I'm the only daughter. And so, um, I, I have a special ranking and sash and crown for that. But we often call um, one of my brothers um, the beloved um, because we have these, these identities around ourselves of, of what we think we want and, and how we want people to see us. Um, and we wonder today if we're often caught up in the qualifiers to be favored by God. But the reality of God's grace and especially the reality of God's redemption for us is that we do not have to do anything or qualify in any way to receive that title from God. It is not about anything that we do. It is not about anything that we have already done. This is what John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, calls provenient grace. It's a grace that goes before us, before we are aware of it, before we have done anything to deserve it. God's grace meets us and says, you, you are my beloved. Greetings, favored one. And as Mary hears these words, the word here used as she encounters Gabriel and Gabriel gives her this greeting is that she is perplexed. As if the angel appearing to you is not terrifying enough, as if the news of this angel is bringing is not crazy enough in and of itself. This angel is telling you that you have been chosen for something truly and wholly sacred. Something you cannot even begin to imagine or fathom. When we think about Mary's story, we often think about it from the perspective of someone who knows all of Jesus' story. We think about not only the birth of Jesus, but the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And I wonder today if we can rewind the tape a little and just meet Mary in this moment while she is glimpsing into an overwhelming future. The ghost of Christmas yet to come and the angel Gabriel are very different types of messengers, but they both deliver messages that are overwhelming and exhausting. Mary's response is perplexed and afraid. And the angel has told her the most terrifying news a young woman could get, a death sentence in ways. And she asks, how can this be? How can this be? Not maybe as much looking for a sign, but maybe just looking for clarification. Why me? How can this be? Sometimes I think we ask ourselves those questions when we are seeking answers to the unexplainable. This is what Scrooge encounters as he sees the ghost of Christmas yet to come point to the Cratchit's house as they are mourning the death of their son, Tiny Tim. As he points to the grave of Ebenezer Scrooge and finds that nobody has mourned him. As he points to his place of work and finds that a transition has happened and he is not only not remembered, but he is not mourned. 
In fact, some people are even celebrating the fact that he is no longer around. And this type of realization, this type of future brings Ebenezer Scrooge to his knees asking, how can this be? Or maybe more pointedly, does it have to be like this? We ask that question when things are unexplainable in our lives. How can this be? When things come as a surprise to us, as a deep pain or shock, when we have those kinds of surprises that are not the fun kind, the unexpected diagnosis, the unexpected death, the unexpected of life that is out of our control, many of us find ourselves saying, how can this be? But we recognize today that we live in a world where we do not have control and that there are many things that do simply not make sense that we just don't have the answer to. Because like Mary, it is easy for us to see that as our story unfolds, there are actually many things we don't have the answer to. You see, the angel Gabriel is only giving her a glimpse, a message into a piece of her story, but not how it will unfold, not the entire, entirety of the story, but instead just this one piece. As if to say to Mary, you've got to go be a part of it now. And what will you choose to do in the midst of it? Scrooge has this same question asked of him. Here's maybe a potential future. What does it mean for you? How are you going to respond? Maybe we start where the angel starts with Mary. That key place where you manage the moments that you can control. Maybe these moments shed a light on how we might respond in a similar way to Mary. Gabriel says to Mary, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. In those how can this be moments, the answer is God is with you. In the surprises that we don't want, in the moments that we wish we could take back, in the moments where even other people know things that we don't know and we don't have all of the answers. God does not come and fix, but God comes and stands with us and stands for us. Mary's response to the angel is only a brief sentence. We go very quickly from her being perplexed and confused to these words that we find that we actually say in the Lord's Prayer. She thinks of the consequences, she hears the angel out, and then she says, let it be. Let it be according to your will. Here I am, Lord, a servant. Let it be according to your will. Maybe you recognize those words, let it be. It's actually the phrase that we use in our prayer when we say the word, amen. The word, amen, means may it be so or let it be. We end our prayers in this way not as a sign off to an end of a conversation, but instead to extend and continue our desire to put forth in our words and our prayers our actions. Let it be, may it be so, is a future-oriented prayer. 
A prayer that says, I may not know all the pieces yet to come, but God is with me. May the words of my mouth, may the prayers that I have, may they be so. We are echoing echoing the words of Mary. Here I am, Lord, a servant. Let it be according to your will. May it be so. When I first read these words of Mary saying, may it be so, it feels a little bit incomprehensible. To think that she has just been told this terrifying and crazy news and is simply accepting it. And yet, I listen to our prayers every Sunday when we, when we uh, recite the Lord's Prayer. We pray things that may be true to the outside world, to those who don't follow Christ. And it might seem ridiculous and unobtainable to people who don't actually know Jesus. For somebody who those words are not familiar to, maybe the words that Jesus taught us to pray are actually a little bit ridiculous. We pray, nonetheless, may it be so. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who would pray that type of prayer? Who would say, my life is no longer about me or what I do, but instead it is about what someone else has already done in my life and me living out that witness to others? May it be so. Christians, Christ followers, the people who the story of Jesus' birth and death and resurrection has made such an impact on their life that their faithfulness says, like it does with Mary, in the unexplainable and in the surprises, may it be so. So this is what Mary does. She takes the words of the angel and extends them to how she will not only live out her pregnancy, but her motherhood and her life and her years to come. The angel gives Mary one simple task, one most immediate responsibility with what to do with this news. She is to go and tell her Elizabeth. She's to go and visit Elizabeth. And the scriptures that follow, we see one of the most beautiful images that we have in scripture of two women meeting in impossible circumstances. A baby inside a womb leaping for joy. Into the women finding peace that surpasses understanding truly. And the connection that is made to one another that only could come from what they truly cannot comprehend. Two women in impossible circumstances that encounter a connection to one another that is a symbol of abundant hope and joy. They give us this image of anticipation. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time in an anticipation of the future, of the things that I cannot control. And maybe if I'm to go a step further, I would say I spend a lot of time in anxiety about the future. My therapist told me once, he said, have you ever noticed that most of the things you worry about have not actually happened yet or at all? And I was like, oh, yeah, 
that, yes. But we get so wrapped up in trying to control. We get so wrapped up in trying to be the people who can control the most things rather than the people who can be the most faithful in the uncontrollable and in the unforeseeable. And Mary tells us in these moments of joy with Elizabeth and in the song that follow called Mary's Song, she echoes not only what God is doing, but what God will do for her. This is what she says in Luke 1, 47. It says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. You see, for Ebenezer Scrooge, for Mary, For those of us who get a surprise about the future, there is always a choice in front of us. We know that the story of A Christmas Carol does not end with Ebenezer Scrooge on his knees in sadness and in sorrow, but instead ends with him back in the present moment, realizing that there is an opportunity for him now to do something different to be joyful, to be generous, to be hopeful, to be loving. Ebenezer Scrooge finds his story of redemption by getting a glimpse into the future and realizing that he has a part to play that can change the story. What is our part? If we were to glimpse into the future, what do you think your part would be? Would you be like Mary saying, here I am, Lord, your humble servant, let it be according to your will. Would we joyfully accept what we don't understand? Would we joyfully accept what we do not know or cannot foresee? Would we walk faithfully into it, knowing that God is with us? I came across a song this week that I heard many years ago, and for the first time this week, I heard it from the perspective of Mary rather than the perspective of, um, of a romance, as I often thought it was sung as. It's a, a, a song that is featured in the movie, A Walk to Remember, that was, um, that was featured over 15 years ago. Its placement in the movie is with two people and this romantic song, but this is what the, the, um, the words say to it. There's a song that's inside of my soul. It's the one that I've tried to write over and over again. I am awake in the infinite cold, but you sing to me over and over again. So I lay my head back down. And I lift my hands and pray to be only yours. I pray to be only yours. I know now you are my only hope. Can you hear those words similar to the words of Mary saying, yes, God, here I am. My only hope is in God. The final part of that song says, I give you my destiny, my future I'm giving you all of me. I I want your symphony, singing in all that I am at the top of my lungs. I'm giving it back. 
So I lay my head back down and I lift my voice and pray to be only yours. I pray to be only yours. I know now you're my only hope. Today, as we continue in this season of anticipation and waiting and preparing, we recognize that there are things in the future that are going to be uncertain, things that are going to terrify us, and things that are going to bring us great joy. I was asked um, before the service if we know um, if we're having a boy or a girl, the gender. And we are doing the same thing that we did with our son James. We are not finding out. We are letting it be a surprise. Now, this was not my idea. Um, If you know me, um, I I don't really love surprises a whole lot. And uh, my family knows this about me, not because I'm not a joyful person or don't enjoy surprises, but because... um, Surprises carry this element of, um, of unexpected, and I don't always respond the way I'm supposed to when I'm surprised. And so I find if I can control or I can plan, then, um, then I can be better in those situations and respond the way I'm supposed to. But my mother-in-law told me before we had James, she said, you know, there are so very few real surprises left in life. Why not let this be one of them? I pray this year that you are surprised by something in this Christmas season. Something that brings you joy, but something that maybe also challenges you to walk with God more closely. To see that the birth of Jesus and the announcement of Jesus changes our lives and offers us a redemption story that is not only surprising and unforgettable, but is the only place that we can find redemption like that. I know now you are my only hope. Amen.